Oh, we got to see him. Open their eyes, Lord. Genesis chapter 37, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We, this month, have been talking about purpose. Our purpose, our destiny, if you will, if you want to use that word, it's a good word. Our destiny, our divine purpose. Too many Christians, too many people have the idea and mistaken idea, a, a myth that, that there are divine purposes only for divine people. But I've got news for you. There's no such thing as divine people. A tourist came into a city and seen two old men playing checkers on the storefront and said, was there any famous people born here? He said, nope, just babies. Just babies. Everybody started somewhere. Matter of fact, everybody started in the same place. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's about how submissive you are. God does not need your ability. He's got enough of his own. God needs your availability. God did not call you to be successful. God called you to be faithful. Listen, our destiny is important. Our destiny is wonderful. Say, my destiny is not your destiny. That's right. We all have a piece of pie. They're a different flavor and a different slice, but everybody's going to like their piece of pie. I don't know why every spiritual illustration I ever have has to do with food, but we'll just have to live with it. Amen. You may not be called to preach, but you're called to something. Hallelujah. Genesis 37.1, And Jacob dwelled in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf, my sheaf, keep that in mind, my sheaf arose and also upright and stood, and behold, uh, your sheaf stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams, but not just for his dreams and his words. I'm going to give you a little different twist on Joseph than you've probably ever heard. And you're going to have to clear your mind of everything else you've ever heard to really understand and believe what I'm fixing to tell you. But it's very important that you see this. And he dreamed yet another dream, and it was told his brethren, and behold, I 
have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his brethren, and, or to his father and his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to the earth? And his brethren envied him. But his father observed the saying. Later on, we see his father sends him to his brethren. They're out taking care of the cattle. They send Joseph to them. And the Bible says when he got to them in verse 19, and they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto him, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit. Not some pit, but this one. I just know where I'm going. Amen. And lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Dear Heavenly Father, I know what I... I, I, I know what you've showed me. I know what you've shared with me. <clears throat> now, Lord, I need the ability to share it with your people. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll open our eyes. I pray that you'll open our ears. I pray that you'll open our heart. And, Lord, we can comprehend what thus saith the Lord says today. God, give me an unction from on high. God, I may never get to preach again. I may never get to step foot in the pulpit again. Lord, you may return tonight. And we leave this world, Lord, let me preach that way. Let me preach that way. Oh, God, let me preach that way. Lord, I praise you for your love and your mercy. I pray for your presence in this place. And God, I thank you for all that you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Church, say amen. They threw him in a pit, stripped off his coat. Listen, everybody... Everybody is familiar, most everybody is familiar with the story of Joseph. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, when I was a little kid in Sunday school, uh, we saw the flannel grass of Joseph and, and the coat of many colors there and, and the favor of his father. And, and I've heard a lot of stuff. I've heard a lot of preaching and I've heard a lot of teaching about this situation and about this story. But, but boy, God has shown me some things that I've never seen before. And, and I, I want you to get what God has for you today. I, I, I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it, but it got bigger than I was. And, and I, at one point I had to stand up and walk around and shout in my, my office. And my daughter was there, little Mackenzie. She said, Daddy, are you okay? I said, Honey, I've never been better. Amen. But I'm telling you, we had to break it down. I want you to know everybody has a destiny. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody, God's got a great plan for your life. Everybody knows that Joseph ended up in the palace. Joseph, listen, he ended up riding Pharaoh's chariot. He ended up wearing Pharaoh's jewelry. He, Listen, he ended up sitting on Pharaoh's throne. He ended up having the blessings of Egypt and all that was there. In the last chapter of this book, we find that he takes 
tells his brothers, don't worry, don't fret yourself, don't get it bother you. Listen, I am in the place of God. I am in the divine appointment that God has for me. And man, what a verse that is. What an exciting thing to read. I am in the place of God. I am in the divine place that God has for me. It, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save a bunch of people. I am in the place of God. Preacher, what do you want? I want all you there. I want, I want to be in the place of God. But I want you to be in the place of God. You don't have to be a divine person. You don't have to be a gifted person. You don't have to be a great person. God has all the abilities necessary. God is just looking for a willing vessel to use to get to his place. Oh, if we had Christians who cared more about the place of God than the place of comfort. Listen, the place that God has for them. I want to be there. I want to ride that chariot. I want to wear the, listen, I want to wear Pharaoh's garments. I want to be there and, and not, not out of arrogancy or pride, but I want to be used to witness and, and listen, deliver a host of people. But you got to understand, the place of God came with a couple other places. There was a road that took him from his daddy's house to Pharaoh's house. And everybody wants Pharaoh's house. Everybody wants to sit on the throne. Everybody wants to ride the chariot. Everybody wants to be in the place. But nobody wants to go through the process. And there are three places that he made it before he got to the palace. And I want to I share in the next couple Sundays with you. I promise you this. This is one that you don't want to miss. Those two be continued. Didn't you just hate them? I mean, they got you on the edge of your seat and you're just right there and you're fixing a to be continued. Felt like that man that threw that that joystick through the TV. That's what I wanted to do. But I promise you, 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 don't, you do not want to miss this. Three places. God began to open my eyes to these three places. God will never take you somewhere without doing something with you. God's not going to take you to a place without a purpose for that place. Because his, his ultimate place is the place. But you got to go through a place to get to the place. Because till you go through them other places, you're not ready for the place. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know how I'm going to do this. The pit. Potiphar's house. Prison. Now, that don't seem like a good corporate stepping ladder, does it? But it was God's process. Now, let's start from the very beginning. Write these, write these three things down or four things down, and, and we're going to cover these through the next few Sundays, but I just want you to get them to be thinking about them. At the pit, God emptied him. At the pit, God emptied him. 
at Potiphar's house, he educated him. He educated him. In the prison, he employed him. Joseph used his gift to be a blessing to his fellow prisoners. Can't wait to get the number of that one. In the pit, he emptied him. In the Potiphar's house, he, he educated him. In the prison, he employed him. See, because if, if you're not willing to help your neighbor, you're not going to be able to help the king. Too bad that's three days away. We want to be in the palace and doing great things, and we won't do little things. How are you going to go across the ocean and win a multitude if, if, if you won't even change a diaper? Or mow the grass? Or, or shake a first-time attender's hand and say, man, we're glad you're here. Yeah, we want to be Billy Sunday, Billy Graham, but we don't want to be Billy Joe. It was through what he used in that gift to his fellow neighbor. In the prison, he employed him. But in the palace, he elevated him. Hallelujah. Ain't <laughs> so much preaching in this, Lord God. Before God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. Amen. He said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ yes. Jesus. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal to God but made himself of no reputation. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning on the pit. Do you realize the pit is the pit's? The Bible says this young man, 17 years old. Now, this is where we're going to get to where you may, you may think, hmm. Because throughout my whole Christian life, I was always and seen and portrayed like he was just the greatest character in the Bible. And he is one of the greatest characters in the Bible, one of the greatest types of Christ in the Old Testament. Amen. But he was still a 17-year-old boy who received an incredible vision and dream, yes. who received an incredible promise, an incredible destiny, an incredible gift. We see Joseph goes to his brethren, said, look here. Check this out. Look what I'm going to do. The Bible says I've never seen it this way until I read it. It's amazing what happens when God starts unlocking things to you. You can read a chapter 400 times, but then God just unveils truth out of that matter. It says they hated him even the more when he told them about his dreams and his words. And his words. What are you saying? I believe he was a little arrogant about it. I believe he came to him. I believe he flaunted his coat of many colors. I believe he flaunted his favor. He was the favorite son. He was spoiled rotten. The brothers hated him for it. They didn't like him a bit. Nobody likes a tattletale. 
And here he is. I'm gifted. I have a dream. Look what's going on. And all that's true. But you know what? God looked down at him and said, son, you ain't ready for the place. You have the gift. You have the calling. You have the dream. But you ain't ready. So I'm going to have to take you to the pit. So how do you know all that? Because the first thing that happened to Joseph in his process of getting ready for the place, in the process of getting ready for his destiny, in the process for getting ready for the great deed that he was going to do, I mean the great exploit for God, the first thing that God did to him was strip him. I want you to see number one under the pit. A, I want you to write this down or however you want to do it. I want you to see the activity at the pit. The activity at the pit. They stripped him of his garment. Not just any garment. Not just any robe, but it was the coat of many colors. It was the source. Now watch this, guys. I'm going somewhere. It is the source of Joseph's significance. It is what he held dearest. It was what he received most of his whatever from. His source of significance. His source of being. This was what he is. He was not just a part of the family. He was the favorite son. And he was stripped of it. God stripped him. Listen, and threw him in a pit. You say, what is that all about? Sometimes... Sometimes we have gifts, but we ain't ready to use them. Because in the very beginning, when we receive them gifts, we receive them talents. We think that's for our benefit. And you have never received a gift. You have never received an ability. You have never received a talent for your own benefit. But here he is. Let me tell you about my dream. Hot dog, I done had another one. All right. God stripped him. Say, preacher, you got another illustration? Oh, yeah. There was a man by the name of Moses who was raised in all the education of Egypt. Y'all know the story. His mother put him in, his mother put him in the river because of the decree. And, and Pharaoh's daughter rescued him and raised him up in all the education. All the, everything, the best that Egypt had to offer. And, and you know, everybody said, oh, but he had a speech impediment. Oh, 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 it's amazing what happens when you start studying the Bible. If you'll go and look in the book of Acts, you'll find out that Stephen was preaching a message. Stephen was preaching a sermon. And he said that Moses was mighty in word and deed. Moses had it going on. Moses had the best that there was. Even Josephus, the historian, said that Moses went out and led, listen, led an army to conquer Ethiopians. He was a general. He was a statesman. He was a politician. But he was someone who was called of God. He knew he had a commission. He knew he had a divine destiny to deliver God's people. He came out and killed an Egyptian to do that. And Stephen said, supposing that they would understand that by his hand, God would lead them out. But you know what God said? It's not going to be by that. It's not going to be by your strong hand. It's not going to be by your talent or your ability or your education, son. You're not ready for the calling yet. You're not ready for the commission yet. Son, it's time to go on the backside of the desert. Forty years in the wilderness, 
God took the stripping and empty him of himself. I was reading last night and reading a commentary was that some, some shepherds, when they spent that amount of time, long periods of time, and listen, in that solitary wilderness all by themselves with nothing but them and the sheep, sometimes they lost the ability to speak clearly or speak eloquently. Y'all get where I'm going? Moses had the ability. He was a statesman. But God took it away from him. God stripped him of what was most significant to him so he could get ready to use him. After 40 years in the wilderness, he comes to this bush on fire burning. And when he said, I want you to set my people free, I want you to deliver my people, he said, who am I? When he came to the people and killed that Egyptian and supposedly, be listen, he was going to tell them, he said, I am Moses. But boy, when God was through with him, he said, who am I? Joseph wasn't ready for the place. He had the gift. He had the calling. But he didn't have the development. Listen. Moses had to go on the backside of a desert. Elijah, the Bible said, he, God told him to go hide yourself before he said, go show yourself. We all want that, that outward, listen, we, we want God to use us and we want to be out on the forefront. God says sometimes you've got to go to the wilderness. You've got to go to the pit. Elijah went to the wilderness Moses went to the wilderness. John the Baptist went to the wilderness. Jesus went to the wilderness. Paul went to the wilderness. Preacher, what are you saying? I want my destiny. Well, you may be in the process right now. The activity at the pit. Some some people have to lose their jobs because that's their source of significance. Some people lose their families because that's their source of significance. Whatever is more important to you than God, God will strip it from you. The activity at the pit, they stripped him. But then I want you to see the atmosphere at the pit. The atmosphere. If you'll read, don't do it right now, but later on, go read at the prison. Go read. At Potiphar's house. As soon as he got to Potiphar's house, the Bible says this. And the Lord was with him. Potiphar's house. When you get to the prison, the Bible says, And the Lord was with him. But at the pit, all it says is it was empty. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I've had people come to me and say, I don't know where God is. I can't find him. I can't see him. I've been praying and praying. I don't know what's happening. That's because you're in the pit. There will be a place in your life. There will be a place in the process. There will be a time in your life where you won't be able to feel God. You won't be able to see God. You won't be able to know. Listen, he what, he'll seem like he's 500 miles away, but he's right beside you. Job, 
Job in, in Job 23, he said, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I, but I cannot behold him. He says, I know he's at work, but I, I can't see him. And I, 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 can't, I can't feel him. And he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Preacher, what are you saying? At that time in that pit, God is testing your faith. Because the trial of your faith is much more precious than of gold that perisheth. God wants to know that you're going to believe Him if you can't see Him. He wants to know that you're going to love Him even if you can't touch Him. He wants to know that listen, you're going to put your faith and confidence in Him even if you can't see the light of day. He is still there. Listen, if the only way you love Him is when you can see Him, if the only way you're going to trust Him is if you can feel Him, that's not love or trust at all. That means He has to pay you to do it. The devil said, will Job serve God for not? The only reason He's bowing down to you, the only reason He's worshiping you is because all that you do for Him. And when God stripped Him bare, He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I can't see him. I can't feel him. I don't know where he's at. I don't know why he's doing this to me. But I guarantee you this, when he's through with me, I'm going to come out like gold. Amen. I know my Redeemer lives. And he's just staying the latter day on this earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Amen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I wish I had all the answers. I wish I had all the answers. I wish I had greater counsel. But I'm telling you, sometimes when you're in the pit, all you can do is hang on and hope in God. Because there's nothing anybody can say. There's nothing anybody can do. All you got to do is trust that God is in control. And He gave you a promise. He was not trusting in the fulfillment. He was sitting in the bottom of a pit. But He looked back a few days before and He knew God had promised Him. God had promised Him. You need to trust the promise and wait for the fulfillment. Oh, He had faith. He had faith. But he had to go through a process because he wasn't ready to do what God called him to do. He knoweth the way that I take. I don't like that part. I'm, I'm, I'm scared even talking about it. I'm, Brother Donnie, I'm telling you, it's just because I know when we preach on something, we go through it. And we face it because God wants us to learn and God wants us to grow and God wants us to mature. And there ain't nothing fun about the stripping process. There's nothing fun about the pit because you can't see God. But I'm telling you, there's times in your life you're going to go through where you're going to think he abandoned you. You're going to think he forsook you. You're going to think he gave up on you. But I'm telling you, he said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. Oh, 
It may be in your marriage. It may be in your ministry. It may be in your finances. It may be in your health. You may have got a bad note from the doctor. Listen, it may be in a tragedy that you are facing right now, but I'm guaranteeing you this. God loves you like he was his only child. Oh, before. Oh, 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 it could be. It could be what sustained him in that pit is he knew he was loved of his daddy. When you can't see him, just know he loves you. But you need to go through what you're going through. You need that pit. I remember one time Dad told me the story of Grandma and they were going through the grocery store and you got to know my Grandma because she, she's different. And, uh, and, uh, she, when she, she, she was the type, she was not this, the new type grandmas that just let their kids do anything and get away with anything. She was a grandma that would whoop you. And anyone in the vicinity of the process. There's been many a child got whooped by her that was just, just in the close enough range. But my grandmother said, stay with me now, stay with me. Dad kept, you know, grapes. There's going to be a lot of thieves in heaven. Say amen right there. I ain't never stole nothing. You ain't never gone by the grape section. Come on now, somebody. Stay with me. Stay with me. Just kept wandering off. Just kept wandering off. So Grandma seen him wander off again, so she went right around the corner and peeked through the potato chips. Dad turned around. With a blood curdling scream. Mama! I know what y'all thinking. But you're wrong. Y'all thinking grandma running around that corner. It's okay, honey. Nope. She just threw the potato chips. Managers, <laughs> stock boys. Other, other customers came running. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I want my mama. Nobody could come to him. What was grandma doing? Looking through the potato chips. When she felt like he had sufficiently learned what he needed to learn, she'd come on around the corner. Was he ever alone? Did he feel like it? Oh, I'm going to be in this pit, preacher, until you learn what you need to learn. But I will say this. God did help me with that last night. God said, in that pit was the least time he spent. He spent more time in Potiphar's house and in the prison. But it was just a little while in the pit. God makes pits so that we will learn quickly. The atmosphere in that pit. Oh, where is God? Where is God? Sometimes in your life you'll think he's abandoned you. But he's just watching through the potato chips. I want you to see the accomplishment of the pit and we're going to pray. The accomplishment of the pit. And if you, if you missed it all, don't miss this. 
and they stripped him. You gotta, you gotta understand something. <clears throat> what was? We see he emptied him at the pit. What did God do with him at Potiphar's house, which was the next phase of the process? Do you realize you cannot be filled till you have been? I want to know the will of God. No, you don't because you're still full of your will. Because if God did tell you, you wouldn't do it no how. I want to, I want to be, I want to be filled with him. But you can't when you're full of yourself. There was a man, and I'm not meaning that bad or mean. I'm just telling you what, just the way it is. Peter was a great guy. Peter was a great guy. He meant well. He had great intentions. And he meant what he said. But he didn't realize where he was in his situation. He meant that he would defend Christ. He meant that he would lay his life down. He meant, he really thought, I love you more than all these disciples. I won't never go. They can all leave for I will. Jesus said, oh, that's awful big talk. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. You want to be filled, but you got a problem. And your problem is your own self. But I have prayed for thee. Satan had desired to sift you. Uh, listen, he wants to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Son, you're going to a pit. You're going to face a time like you've never known. You're going to go to a place like you've never imagined. Because you got a calling and you got a gift and you got a commission. But you ain't ready. And the Bible says that Satan did just that. He sifted him. Peter denied him three times, went out and wept bitterly, went and wept so much he had no more tears to cry. God broke him down and allowed him to go through a sifting process so that when he stood before him on that bank of that shore that day, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. Before Peter said, that's right, I love you. I love you more than everybody. But when God was through with him, when God got him out of that pit experience, when God got through with him, he said, Lord, you know all things. And God said, now you're ready. See, we're so full of ourselves. We're so full of our own desires. Prove it. Some of us have been just freaking out over this economy oh what are we going to do what are we going to do what's happening to us what is God doing to us while we're driving two or three different cars living in air conditioned houses sitting on padded pews amen none of us have missed a meal hello and we're suffering for Jesus. I know it's bad. I'm not discounting none of that stuff. But we have no clue. What do you mean? Go to China. Go to Mexico. Go to Guadalajara. Go to El Salvador. When the only thing they got between them and the outside elements is a piece of tin. But, but what if we lose everything? What if you do? Job did. What did he have left? An ash heap. And some pitiful friends. 
I mean this. What if God is asking you to give up all that? Your place, your th- everything. That, listen, Paul said, I have lost everything, but I count it but dumb. Are we there yet? Are we to that place yet that we're willing to say, hey, God, if that's it, then you might be headed for a pit. Or you might be staying in that pit till you get there. The accomplishment of the pit. The pit readied him. Or prepared him. And let me prove it. When he went to his brothers, he used his dream and his gift to belittle them. Y'all going to bow down to me. I really believe this. I've never seen this before in this. I've never seen this before until God showed me this. He used his gift to belittle his brethren. But when God got through with him, he used his gift to bless them. Joseph learned, hey, this gift ain't about me. This gift ain't, it's not about, so somebody can look at me and say, boy, ain't he talented. He's got a dream. He's got a gift. Joseph said, no, ain't about that. Genesis 50, verse 19, and Joseph said unto them, fear not, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Watch this. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. (laughs) Some of y'all can sing like a mockingbird. But you're arrogant. And you're full of self. Instead of using your talent to bless people, use talent to let people know they ain't as good as you. Some of you can teach and preach. It amazes me how much I like to hear me. Now, before you teachers and preachers laugh, you know, I always had this in mind oh, I'm being a blessing. I want to share with them what God showed me. But you know what? Really, in all honesty, in all honesty, God showed me, say, son, it wasn't about blessing them. It was about you looking good. It was about them thinking that you somebody because you heard from God. Well, you keep that up, you ain't going to hear from me no more. I was sitting in a room the other day uh, with Brother Sam Hollis. I was sharing him an outline. And you know, I, I can't, I get excited about it. Well, he was getting excited. He started sharing him one. Well, halfway through, I wanted to interrupt him one I had. 
Then he won't interrupt. And I got thinking, it ain't about. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm being way too honest this morning. Teachers, do you you like to teach because you like to hear yourself speak? Be careful before you answer that. Preachers, do you like to get up here because you enjoy the act of preaching? Because I do. Or are we here to save a people alive? You know, I don't care how much gift you have. If you're using it for the wrong reason. So how do, how, how do I know if I am? Do people like getting around you? When, you? when you go to using your gift in your way, do you attract people to you? Or do you repel them away? Is there friction everywhere you go? Sooner or later you're going to find out it ain't everybody else that's broke. Yeah, you gifted. But are you using it in the right way? You know, it dawned on me. When I'd go to share something, uh, preacher, I got to go. I'll call you back. He never called me back. Didn't he know I was giving him the word? And then God says, see, son, you're just like Joseph. You got an anointing. You got an anointing. You do. And I do. I do. But you know what? It's not used so people can see me. And if I keep doing it, he'll take it away. Amen. See, his dream was not so he could look at his brothers and say, look what you're going to do for me. His dream and his gift and his anointing was that so one day he could be a blessing to many. And if we'll ever learn that, My gift is not for me. My gift is to be utilized for everyone else. I don't like that. That's why you're still in the pit. And you know what? That gift that you have, he can take it away just as quick as he gave it to you. say what do I do preacher allow the pit to work don't keep fighting for the coat back say God if it's a servant I need to be you know what we keep doing brother Kendrick we keep trying to find our coat we keep trying to find out what I do with my coat you don't need to worry about the coat you need to finish the process. Preacher, will God use me? Oh, yeah. 
Everybody wants to be blessed, but nobody wants to be broken. Church, wherever we are in the process, let's submit. Let's submit to what God is doing to us in the process. I don't like it. It's probably why you're still in it. When's God going to get me out of here? When you've learned what you need to learn. That's a hard, that's a hard lesson for a preacher to learn. Because he wants so much to share. But what is the real motive behind that? When you share your gift, are you wanting to do it to bless them or for them to look at you like you know more than they do? Or you have more anointing than they do. If you really want to sit on the throne and wear Pharaoh's ring and be in the place of God, your whole focus has got to change. And the beginning of that process starts at the pit. Church, say amen. Every head bowed, never eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There are so many people gifted in so many ways, and God can't use them. Preacher, what do we need to do? We need to say, God, touch me where I am. God, help me to learn what I need to learn where I'm at. God, even when I can't see you, Lord, help me to have faith in you.